You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Wasn't it great having Peter McHugh with us last week? I, I, honestly, I think it was an honor. He's a, he's a general in the city. If you weren't able to be here, please make some time to listen to the podcast. It's up on our website. It's up on all the podcast channels. It honestly was a real timely and, and a helpful um, sermon. And I was, I was amazed. How much did it fit into our series that we're doing? Um, I, just, I love how God speaks like that. He didn't know we're doing a series on you know, resilient faith, faith that endures. But literally, he preached a word that could have, I mean, we could have made that part of our series and planned it, but we didn't. So I love that. um, We've been unpacking in this series this idea of enduring faith, faith that's mature, having faith that's strong, faith that finishes well. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. How do we build resilient, enduring Faith. How do I strengthen my faith to stand in the trials and the tests and finish well? I don't want to be a flash in the pan sort of Christian. I don't want to be like burn bright for two years and then be a fading star. I don't want to see you guys like that. I want to, I want to grow old being impactful for the kingdom. I want to like be having impact when I'm 90. You guys ever thought about that? We don't want to be a church that, that there's only place for, for the young people to do ministry. We want every person to be ministering and to be who God's called them to be. That's what the gospel is about. So how do we have faith that finishes well? Peter's message last week, was, I think, was key in this. And, you know, he was talking about we have to learn from Jesus how to remain in the Father and not in our circumstances. Not let the circumstances dictate our response. When circumstances bring up inner turmoil, when circumstances bring up past trauma or pain or hurt, how do I bring that to the Father and remain in Him? How do I let those promptings, and maybe it might be an attack of the enemy or it might be a stirring of the Lord to go, hey, there's something that I want to actually set you free from. How do I not like get in a rut and a hole in that place, but actually go, God, I want to be free. So I bring it to Him and I remain in Him and I allow Him to set me free from that, whatever that thing is. Such a key to having enduring faith. We said right through this series that to have faith that endures, we have to continue to direct the gaze of our soul toward Jesus. Not just in the good times, but in every circumstance. To be ruthless about staying focused upon Jesus and to fight to deal with anything that would try and steal our gaze away from who he is be they good or bad circumstances, be they the blessing of the Lord or the opposition of the enemy or the result of our bad choices, to deal ruthlessly with anything that would try and take our gaze away from Jesus. Let me give you a real quick recap before we jump in. We've looked at things like keeping our focus on Jesus no matter what the circumstances. We've looked at breaking the power of fear over our lives. These are all things that help us, I think, build enduring, resilient faith and to finish well. We've looked at uh, learning to let our suffering and hardship bring us to Jesus and not drag us away from him. To actually bring us to him rather than to to cause us to question who he is. Uh, We've looked at continuing to run the race and not giving up. We've looked at learning to live with mystery. To live in the tension 
of going after all that God said we can walk in, but sometimes not seeing the fullness of that yet. And not letting that stop us from pursuing all that he said that we can walk in. We've looked at uh, uh, knowing where to go for answers. To the right place. Where do we go for answers? Because the questions aren't bad, but often it's just where we go for answers that can either help strengthen our faith or cause it to be weakened. And then, obviously, Peter last week talked about being in the Father. I want to continue and sort of tie up this series a little bit with a few other points. So it's not like sort of these aren't like build upon each other points. They're just a few things that I was like, I think this would also be helpful for building resilient faith. Is that all right? I think resilience is such a key for us to finish well. Being able to deal with other things. Um, Dr. Abby Rosenberg says this. Modern psychology, social science defines resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Take that into a Christian sphere. The, the, the ability to come to Jesus in the face of adversity, trial, and all the things that she said. Um, Rick Warren says this. It's the ability to bounce back. It's the ability to keep going. I feel like God's just saying to some people this morning, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep running. He says it's the ability to keep going. Nobody goes through life with an unbroken chain of successes. He says everybody has failures and mistakes. We, uh, we all embarrass ourselves, some of us more often than others. We all have pain. We all have problems. We all have pressures. The people who make it in life have resilience. I love that quote. It's one of the most important characteristics we can develop as Christians and as a church. And I think in the seasons that we're coming into, we're going to see more, more genuine opposition. So we have to be a people. We have to take these times to say, I, I want to strengthen my faith. I want to strengthen my gaze upon Jesus, my intimacy with him, so that in those times, it isn't shaken. I'm not surprised by my reaction when there actually is opposition to the gospel, to the kingdom, to what we're sharing. The Bible's filled with these amazing um, sort of reminders of resilience, or reminders of faith that endures. In Joshua 14, verse 10 and 11, um, it's talking about Caleb, and it's, he says this, Now behold... I am this day 85 years old. Is it verse 10? Oh, yeah, yeah, down the bottom. I'm like, 45 years? Oh, my gosh. No, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've read that right. Um, second part, the end of verse 10. Behold, this day I'm 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses sent me. Uh, my strength uh, now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and for coming. So now give me this hill country from which the Lord spoke on that day, or that the Lord promised me. There's some over 60s in the house today that God still has some hill country for you to take. That's when I prophesy. There's some over 70s. God still has some mountain places for you to take, some new ground. I was talking to somebody before the meeting, and we were talking about the, the, just the disservice much of the church has done by saying it's only about the young people. It's only about the youth or the young adults. That's not what the kingdom is about. Everyone has a part to play. Like Caleb, give me this hill country that you promised me. I'm as strong at 85 as I was back then. I want that to be said of me. I want that to be said of us. I want to look out in 
45 years and see a bunch of you guys, some of you may have graduated to be with him, but see a bunch of you guys that are like younger, with gray hair, and you're walking frames in here, going, give us the hill country, let's go. Let's keep running. Come on, you young tacos, come and catch me. Where'd that come from? Young tacos. Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, feed, uh, the fields yield no, no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is faith that's not based on circumstances. I will rejoice in the Lord no matter what the circumstances around me look like. There's so many examples of men and women in the Bible with resilient faith. Think of Noah building the ark and the opposition. And he doesn't stop. He just keeps on building. Think of Nehemiah building the wall. And they come and they try and distract him and say, get off the wall. And he doesn't stop. He just says, no, no, we're not going to get distracted with that. We're going to keep doing what God's called us to do. Think, you know, Moses faced hard, you know, one hardship after another, yet he kept pressing on. Deborah is called to lead Israel into battle, and she was victorious in that battle. Mary was told, she, you know, she's told she's going to give birth to the Son of God. They, I mean, think about that. Just, by the way, young Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Peter. I mean, Peter's in prison, out of prison, like the challenges, the opposition, um, he's getting persecuted, but he always has managed to get back on us. He always managed to keep it about Jesus and say, you know, we're going to keep going. It doesn't matter. I, I love that he gets, he, he supernaturally gets set free from prison and goes straight into a prayer meeting. I want this kind of faith. I want us to have this kind of faith. But we're not like, it's not like, you know, th th there's a little breeze of opposition and we, we go to water and we all fall. Oh. No, no, we're like, hey, we are getting on with what God's called us to. We're a kingdom people. doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, whether there's opposition or there's the winds at our back. Like, it doesn't matter. It's about him and our call remains the same. It's kind of faith that can't be defeated or shifted even by my own failures. Think about that. I feel like there's, uh, again, there's some, I'm going to be prophetic this morning, maybe a little bit more than, I, I don't know. I won't make an excuse. I just feel like I got some prophetic stuff this morning. But I feel like there's some, and you feel like your own failures have actually disqualified you from having strong faith. And God's saying this morning, it's not you who qualifies you. It's him who qualifies you. I want us to build faith they can't be shifted or defeated even by our failures. So how do we build resilience into our faith? How do we build strong faith? We've had a whole lot of great points in this series so far and a whole lot of things, but I want to just add a few more this morning. And I want to kind of look at the, uh, some examples from the Apostle Paul's life. So I'm just going to pull a few examples from his life um, of resilience or having strong faith in the New Testament. The first one is this. How do we build, so this is going to be a few points to wrap this up. How do we build resilient, strong faith? Firstly, strengthen your relationships. So like I said, this isn't like in order, because we've already talked about, you know, focus on Jesus and be in his presence and all the, those sort of things. That, that's the first stuff. That's really important. But to add to all that, strengthen your relationships. Paul's ministry 
in the New Testament was always connected with others as he served. Think about that. Paul's ministry was always in team. He traveled in team. He went in on mission in team. He served and he preached the gospel with team. Faith grows and is strengthened as it's worked out in community. Our faith journey is not my faith journey. It's always meant to be in connection with others. That's, that's God's p- pattern and God's plan. If you look at the New Testament, there's over 40 one another's in the New Testament. Honor one another, love one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another. See, if you're gonna do, uh, if you're gonna pursue Jesus in community, you need the be patient, you need the honor, you need, you need some of these, like, you need to forgive. Because you're gonna, like, people will let you down and you will get hurt and you're gonna have to forgive people for their mistakes. Accept one another, encourage one another, instruct, restore, bear with one another, admonish one another, teach one another. Strengthening your relationships is not just about having friends. It's about discipleship. There's friendship, and then there's there's relationships that cause us to become more like Jesus. There's a proverb that I can paraphrase, but basically is this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You can have friends that have no future. I'm talking about, for, for, for strong faith, I'm talking about friends that cause you to become more like Jesus. I'm talking about discipleship. I'm, causing, I'm talking about friends who spur you on, who call you up to more, who say, let's pray together, let's worship together, let's pursue Jesus together, let's live on mission together. Not let's just gather and look at each other's belly buttons. Let's go on mission Let's reach the lost. Let's have adventure. For all you visual people, you all, I lost you all there, sorry. It's about pursuing Jesus together. It's about like as iron sharpens iron. Find somebody who can sharpen you. Find some people who, you can, who can disciple you, but who you also find people that you can disciple. Find some people who will sharpen you. It is the height of arrogance and pride to think that you have it all together and you don't need other people in your life. Sadly, churches are full of arrogant and proud people who sit in the same seats every week, who nod to the, sa- the sermons all the... <laughs> you might need to like just shift, shift a few... Se- but who don't think they need other people because they think they already know it all. One of the most beautiful things about the church is the diversity of relationships we have. Because if you look at any, almost any other sphere in society, people's relationships look like them. But I look across this room and I see people that are very different than me. And I love that. I love that. I love that I have friends that are younger and I have friends who are older. I love that I can ask advice and input from people who are grandparents and we can journey together with those who are, you know, who are in school and finishing school and you know, in different stages of life. It's the beautiful thing of the church. How we care for one another is a witness to those around us. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's talking about within the church. 
It's not talking, that, that, that John 13, 35 is not talking about that you have love for the, the, the lost. Other parts of the Bible talk about that. That's talking about that we, that we, you and I, love each other and cause each other to become more like Jesus. I want to challenge you. I'm going to throw some challenges out today. Is that all right? I want to challenge you to press into relationships in this Christmas season. I know many of us uh, you know, have, are, are going to have some different times of holidays and breaks over Christmas and, and summer and times to just be with family and to, you know, to withdraw. But I want to challenge you, don't disconnect. Press into relationships. Pursue relationships in community. Pursue it over the Christmas time. I want to challenge you that as we start the new year, if you're not in a discipleship group, if you're not being discipled, make the choice today. Don't wait till February. Say, so you know what? Maybe you haven't been in a group all year. I'm going to commit to discipleship. I'm going to make it one of the big blocks in my year. I'm going to go to a group. I'm going to be in a discipleship relationship. I'm going to invest in the relationships that cause me to become more like Jesus and that build my faith. You can have all the excuses why not, and it does take a commitment of time. Anything worthwhile takes time. But I want to challenge you, will you commit to it? Because if you do, you'll grow and your strength will be, will be your strength. Your faith will be strengthened. Resilient faith is strengthened by relationships. Secondly, how do we build resilient, strong faith? Live with purpose. What's the purpose of your life? It's not a rhetorical question. Ask yourself, what is the purpose of your life? Do you have a kingdom purpose for your life? If you can't answer that question, you'll wake up in 20 years' time and go, what have I done with the last 20 years? You might have all the stuff. There's a lot of people around us who have all the stuff, but they're bitterly disappointed with their lives because they're not living with a kingdom purpose. Paul was someone who thought about the purpose of his life. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11 says, aspire or make it your goal to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we've instructed you. Woo! Mind your own business. Get on with the kingdom. <laughs> Stop. Anyways. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9. So, what, so um, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim or our goal to please him, to please Jesus. Philippians 3 verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. What's your kingdom purpose? He's saying, you know what? Stop meddling in everyone else's business. Stay focused on what he's called you to. Stay focused on him. Part of having a resilient faith is to set and work toward goals. It's good to have goals. It's good to have kingdom goals. Make a list of all your friends that you want to see get saved and start praying for them. Kingdom goal. Make a, ask God, you know, maybe, maybe there's, I want to read through the Bible. I want to, um, you know, I want to study the New Testament. I want to, whatever it is, I want to grow in my prayer life. I want to grow in worship. I want to, um, you know, I want to see more of the supernatural power of God released through me on mission. Like set some kingdom goals, write them down, and then pray and pursue them. It's a good thing to do. 
Don't just float through. Don't just kind of go Sunday to Sunday and hope that there's a magical touch. God will touch you. God will encounter you. But you won't build strong, resilient faith without setting some kingdom goals for growth. These things, it keeps us focused on what really matters. It keeps us living with purpose. Because there's a lot of things that will try and take your focus and your purpose away. And if you're not going, no, this is what I'm called to and this is where I'm going, you'll get distracted and you'll miss out on the impact that God has for you. Do something that gives you a sense of accomplishment. Try and share the gospel with one person a day or five people a day or 10. I mean, like, I love, you know, I love all the testimonies, but I love Jeremy's testimonies because he's always got a testimony of sharing the gospel with somebody. It's like, you know, and praying for healing because he's like, he's going after it. It's amazing that, you know, if, if you never pray for healing, you'll have a 100% success rate. You start praying for people for healing, whether they get healed or not, as you step out in obedience, you're gonna start seeing it happen. Oh, I wish I could see somebody's shoulder get healed. Well, then pray for some shoulders. Pray for some, I mean, you had to think of somebody's broken thumb. Pray for some thumbs. Pray for some blind eyes. If you don't start doing it, you're not going to see it. And then you won't have a testimony. That's a whole different preach. Elodie was uh, listening to a podcast, and they had this example of a lady was um, suffering with severe depression. And she, uh, they tried, you know, different, all a bunch of different medications. She went to a new doctor. The doctor met with her and said, I'm not, I, I'm going to give you a medication, but I'm not just going to give you a greater dose. Like, I, I want you to commit to something for me. We want to see if we can make you better. So he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, subscri- subscribe this to you, but you have to commit to gathering twice a week, twice a week with this group of other people. So they're all in the same place, like incurable de- depression. And he said, and you're not just going to gather and talk about your depression, but you're going to do something with purpose. So they met twice a week. They kept each other accountable to meeting. And then they said, well, what should we do? And there was this lane that was near them called dog poo lane, which is not a very nice, but it was just like a lane that was full of dog poo. And they thought, you know what, we should make this a better place. Let's make this into a garden. So they suddenly had a purpose to, to, to their gathering. And so they gathered still twice a week, and they, they invested themselves in the purpose, and they regenerated this lane. And they made a lovely garden, they cleaned it up, and they made it a space that people wanted to be in. And by the end of a year, almost every one of those people was no longer being medicated for depression, because they, they, were, they, they committed to community and they committed to a purpose. That's not even a kingdom purpose. But it is a kingdom principle. Bless you. Will you commit to community and will you commit to living with purpose? We need purpose in our lives. Thirdly, remember your journey. How do we build resilient faith? Remember your journey. Remember where God's brought you from. Paul often, if you look at the scriptures, reflected on his past and what God had carried him through. He recounts in the New Testament his conversion story at least three times. 
He remembers how various Christians have played roles in his life. He remembers the struggles and how God's brought him through that. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 and 9, it says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In Revelation 12 verse 11, it says, They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. When we're going through difficulty, we can forget what God's done in our lives. It's very easy over the course of a year to forget what God's done. But one of the ways that we're victorious in the face of opposition is through remembering what God's done and declaring our testimony. No, no, no. I've seen God move in this already. This isn't going to get me again. I'm not going to go down that path again. No, God's done this already in my life. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There's a testimony of this is what God's done. There's victory in our testimony. We learn from our experiences, both good and bad. Will you learn? Some of us don't learn from our experiences, and then we have the same experiences over and over again. Reflect on the testimonies of what God's done in your life. This is how we build strong, resilient faith. Consider the skills and the strategies that have helped you through those difficult times. Learn. And if it was a failure, learn from those. Sometimes we actually remember the failures a lot more than the successes. Be like, you know what? That didn't work. God, what were you trying to teach me? Why didn't that work? He's drawing you to his heart. He's drawing you to himself. Think about where was Jesus in those times? Where was Jesus? Did, you know, did, was, I, was I focused on him or was I focused on other things? Was I pursuing him? Where was he in those times? Did he feel like he was far off or was he near? Because he's not far off. But if he felt like he was far off, then maybe there's something in our life that God's wanting to bring freedom to. What would you do differently? I think it's a really helpful thing to write down, as you think about those past experiences, write down in a journal things that, that help you um, identify things that were good and things that were bad. What God's been teaching you, how, how to grow through those times. Write down the testimonies so that when doubt comes against you, you can go, no, no, that's not the truth because I've written down all the things God's done in my life. When you go, oh, is God going to provide? Well, I know he's the provider, not just because he says it in his word, but also because I've written down all these instances of his provision in my life. God, you've said you are. God, you've already done it. So I trust that you're going to do it again. I declare that over my life. That's how we build faith that isn't shaken. Because when that circumstance or that situation arises again, we don't have to go down the same path. We go, I've learned. I see this, actually. It's like, oh, I see this one. I've, over, I've overcome this test before. It's like when you play a video game. For you gamers in the room, you play a video game, you, can, like, you pass the level. The next time you play that level, you know what's coming up. It becomes easier to pass and easier to pass, and you do it really quickly. You know, like, I'm thinking, like, some of you, I don't know what games you guys think of. I'm thinking of, like, Mario Brothers. Show my age. Like, 
boop, boop, boop. And they're going along the little thing, and you know, like you learn to know where the boxes are, and you bump your head on them, and the mushroom comes out, and the coins. But you learn, and it's the same with us. You see it again, you get better at it. I got two more points. You guys still with me? How do we build strong faith? I just was double-checking that I actually did have two more points. I was like, oh, maybe I have three points. Um, Remain hopeful. So remember the past, but remain hopeful. Learn from the past. Learn from what we've been through. Remember the testimonies, but remain hopeful. Paul refers to himself as pressing on to receive the heavenly prize. Looking forward is not about worrying about tomorrow. It's expressing hope for better days ahead. You might be in the, the, the valley of the shadow of death, but there's a hope in Jesus for better days ahead. It's looking to eternity. Ultimately, it's having this bigger eternal perspective. Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you. This is for somebody this morning. This is for you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. If you are hopeless this morning, the God of hope wants to fill you with hope. Sometimes we get so focused on the news and the negatives and the opposition and the struggles that we begin to lose hope. We can look to governments, systems for our hope. We get disappointed if things don't go the way that we think they should. But this is not our final destination. When we realize, the Bible says we're pilgrims passing through. We, eternity with Jesus is our final destination. We're here with a mission and a purpose, but it's not all about just living a comfortable, cushy life right here. When we remember that we're here with a mission and we're not here by accident and that God's placed us here for such a time as this, there's this hope for the future because it doesn't actually matter how bad it gets around us because we're still here with the same mission and the same purpose and the same hope. You guys didn't sound so excited about that one. (laughs) I was like, oh, awesome. Yeah, okay. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Can I say to some, stop listening to all the Christian catastrophists you know, talking about the end of the world and everything's falling apart and we got to run to the hills and hide. Stop it. Get off of YouTube Read your Bible and get on mission. Live with purpose. Honestly, I get sick of it. I'm like, who? Like, you waste your time. And what do you do? What fruit do you have to show for it? Nothing. You're just full of like fear and dread. That's not who we're called to be. We're called to be a people on mission who live in the peace of God because we're here for a reason. Yeah. If you got a problem with that point, talk to me later. I'll show you from this from the Bible. Number five, this is my final point. Attend, how do we build strong, resilient faith? Kind of wrapping up the strings of this series. Attend 
to the spiritual life. Attend to the spiritual things. We started this series by saying, keep your eyes on Jesus and be in his presence. I want to kind of wrap this series up by saying, attend to the things that cause spiritual growth. Paul always attributed his strength and all that was valuable about his life to Jesus. It says this in Philippians 4, verse 12 to 13. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. That's a hard thing to say. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. The big rocks, the non-negotiables in our lives should be the spiritual things. Spending time with Jesus. Spending time in prayer. Reading, studying the Bible. Gathering with believers. Church, discipleship, worship. The things that cause our spiritual growth should be the biggest blocks in our lives. If we do that, our strength will be our faith will be strengthened. The foundations of our life will be unshakable. They'll be built upon Jesus. Unfortunately for so many of us, the spiritual things are actually the small rocks. The big rocks, can we just be honest, are work, school, family, and those things, are, they're not bad. Comfort, sport, the gym, holiday, and somewhere down the end of the line, if there's any time left over, we give it to spiritual things. We've got it wrong, church. The other way around. Give yourself to spiritual things. There'll always be other things that we have, that we have to give time to. There'll always be other things that will try and take our time. If you don't settle it today, you will get into next year and suddenly it'll be, uh, you know, but I need a little bit more money, so I'll take that job on a Sunday morning. Or the kids want to play sport, and it's a Sunday morning. Or I can't go to a discipleship group because, you know, I won't have time to go to the gym on a Wednesday night. Or, uh, you know, whatever it is, there'll always be something that will try and take you from the spiritual things. I can't get up early enough to spend time in prayer and worship, but I can get up at 2 in the morning to go watch the Socceroos play soccer. Mmm. Whoa. Take it easy. <laughs> Until you settle that these spiritual things are non-negotiable non in your life, you will be up and down in your faith. Not to prophesy doom and gloom over you. I have been leading a church for almost 15 years. I've been involved in church since I was a little kid. And I've seen people that are like, hey, Jesus is everything. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, you know, I'm a worm. Yay. Uh, ah, ah. And I'm like, and I've pondered often, why are some people like this? Yeah! And then like the next week, they're just like a puddle on the ground. And, the next week, ah! and some people are just like, like level. Like why, why are they level? You know why? Because they sorted this out. There's some non-negotiables in their life. It's not that things don't happen around them. It's that the things that are happening around them don't cause them to go up and down. The things that are happening around them 
Don't cause them to stop spending time with Jesus or spending time in the Word or gathering with believers or investing in the spiritual things that strengthen their faith. The things going on around them have to submit to the reality of who Jesus is in their life. The ones that are up and down, the things that are going on around them determine what they give their time to. I say this often because like, we found this as like having little kids. Until you like determine that you're going to go to, you're going to be there at church on Sunday or you're going to go to a discipleship group no matter what happens, until you like settle that thing, when you go to get in the car, your kids will vomit on you. Like something will happen. You'll have a massive fight. Like everything will happen to try and stop you from, from that thing. Until you determine, I'm going to get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus. Every time you go to get up, your alarm won't go off. Your kids will be screaming. They'll have wet the bed. Something will happen in the middle of the night. They'll have a bad dream. Until you go, it doesn't matter whether I got eight hours sleep or two hours sleep. I'm going to do it anyways. If the kid vomits in the car, we'll clean it up and we'll get there late. We're not going to not go. Until you determine that, something will always happen. Because the enemy just pokes the same button. He's not that creative. And when you go, that, you can't poke that button anymore. That's not going to stop me going. Then it stops. It's like, he goes, oh, oh I, can't win. I can't get him with that one. Elodie preached a brilliant preach earlier in the year on cultivating your spiritual garden. Whatever you water will grow and whatever you neglect will wither. We can learn a lot about faith that endures from Paul. He's the one that wrote, I finished the race. I want us to be able to say, we finished well. 85-year-old me, the wheel me in. Now nah, I'm going to be strong. If I'm like 100, wheel me in. My granddad, I'll finish with this story. So my, all my grandparents have passed away. Elodie still has a nana who is hanging on. It's 102, almost 103. Um, my granddad was a, like a real prayer warrior. But in the last days of his life, when he was, he was in his 90s, he couldn't do much. I've shared the story with, with you a few times. But he was like, he was only awake a couple hours a day. You know, he was in a chair. He couldn't really get up and move around. But the couple hours a, a day that he was awake, he prayed. He couldn't get to church. He was in a, in a home but he spent the time that he had praying and he prayed for us and he prayed for you and he prayed for the church and he prayed for missionaries and that's all he did really was kind of eat a little bit and pray. The day that he passed away, we literally felt like a, a shift in the atmosphere because I, we, like, we knew he wasn't praying anymore. Now God brings, God's faithful to bring others who will pray for us. But there's something like of the impact that he had because he used to the very end his time well. As we come into the end of the year and the Christmas season, can I challenge us as a church together to pay attention to your faith first? Christmas is, I think, the most wonderful time of the year. It is the most wonderful. Okay, it really is, though, if you pay attention to your faith first. It's not about all the, all the other stuff is just great trimming to faith building, to being Jesus focused. I just love it because everywhere it's about Jesus. You, you go into shops in like other countries, 
that aren't Christian countries and they're playing Christmas carols about Jesus. Love it. It's so good. Pay attention to your faith first. Don't neglect your relationship with the Lord and the things he's called you to because of the busyness of the season. There might be some people that are listening to this podcast and you need to get back into church. Carve out time to be with him. I want us to finish this morning with communion. When we have communion, it's more than just a ritual. There's a remembering of what Jesus has done for us. We remember his body broken, his blood shed. There's salvation, there's freedom, there's healing, but there's also a declaring. And I love this. I love the remembering, but I love the declaring. I think that maybe that's why I like Christmas. We remember Jesus born, but we're declaring the power of this into our future. We're declaring that by his blood, I am made whole. By his blood, I've been set free and I am righteous. And even though I might be struggling with an area, I'm saying, Jesus, wash me again. I'm declaring that because his body was broken, I have wholeness. And even if there's sickness and I have pain in my body, as we take this, we say, Jesus, heal me. We're believing for healing. We're believing for breakthrough. We're believing for wholeness in Jesus' name. We're declaring that which you've done over our futures. So this morning, as we have communion together, would you respond to Jesus? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.